Mr. Splinter has given us a very important mission for tonight. The target is across the street. We must use stealth and cunning to infiltrate the human world and retrieve Gogurt. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack, where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. I am your host, Josh Scar, and joining me this week is your favorite furball, Alex. Alex, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I have a large glass of milk here, and I'm ready to drink it all down. I've heard milk is bad for cats. Isn't it supposed to be more like a creamer, like a non-dairy-based creamer? I don't know. I saw the new Turtles movie, and I just want a lot of milk. <laughs> I should have introduced you as a mutant, shouldn't I? Our tabaxis, tabaxis aren't mutants. That's that's disingenuous. How dare you? We're fur people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's disingenuous to call you a mutant. You can just call me a furry if you want. <laughs> if, if you feel so inclined. Uh, that's now canon. Uh, but we also have an additional guest joining us, someone I'm very excited to introduce because I love his podcast. He's been on the show before. Friend of the podcast, Greg Beaver. Greg, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me back. I feel yeah, like definitely. I bullied my way back on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you just told us you wanted to be back on. I was like, okay, no no problem there. I have I have no issue having guests on for, for good review episodes. So, Greg, tell us a little bit about your podcast. Um, podcast called I Have Some Notes. We uh, take Hollywood's most mediocre movies and uh, punch them up as best we can. Sort of like a, a creative writing exercise mixed in a, in a movie podcast. It's a lot of fun. You can check us out at uh, I have some notes.com and all the socials at uh, I have some notes. Yeah, it's one of my favorite podcasts. It's uh, you guys release on Fridays now, right? Every other Friday. Correct. When, we are on a break. Right. Running. Yeah, we're on a break right now. We'll be back on September 8th. Any insights as to what your first episode back will be or have you not released that information yet? We will be doing quantum mania. Uh, Greg, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's it like to have a podcast that takes a break once in a while? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it's more out of uh, necessity. I, I don't know. Like during the summer, it's really hard to, as you probably know, it's hard to wrangle uh, guests and even even the the threesome that we are. It uh, everyone's going away on vacation, so you know it's e- it's good to take a break every once in a while and recharge the batteries. I feel like so I like it. <laughs> Alex, you're not contractually obligated to be here. Like you're recovering from from illness. You you could have taken a week off. Never. My work ethic is too strong. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Because there are sometimes where I don't want to be here and you take the reins, which is great. Because then you just bring Justin in and it's two <laughs> people talking really good about movies. And I'm like, wow, these guys should have a podcast. And we will one day. <laughs> just just got to win that lottery so I can give get Justin on the payroll. Exactly. I promise th- this week this is the week the check will clear Alex, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we are here to talk with Greg about the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem movie, but first we're going to hear from our friends over at the I Hate It Let's Watch It podcast, so we will be right back. 
Hi everyone, I'm Lisa. And I'm Dawn. And if you've ever watched a TV show and thought to yourself, oh my god, that season finale plot twist was absolutely bonkers. Or seen a movie and thought, wow, I need to talk to somebody about this train wreck immediately. Then we think you'll fit right in with our podcast, I Hate It, Let's Watch It. We watch TV shows like Riverdale and Emily in Paris. And movies like Deep Water, Killer Sofa, Rubber, and Deadly Illusions. And we give them the total rinsing they deserve. It's basically group therapy for movie masochists. So come check us out wherever you stream podcasts. So what's funny is, from what I understand, the creator of Emily in Paris wanted her name to be pronounced or wanted Paris to be pronounced Paris like it would be in the French dialect. But because Americans are Americans, he didn't get that rhyming scheme that he wanted. So instead of Emily in Paris, it's Emily in Paris and no one understands the point of the title. But that's just a fun little nuance there. Uh, We are here to talk about some... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, 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 no. No, let's let's skip over this. Let's go back. Let's talk about the other words that Americans can't pronounce correctly. Like, would you like <laughs> to pronounce the German shoe company? <laughs> Isn't it supposed to be like Adidas, but we say yes, Adidas? It's, yes, it's supposed to be Adidas. They yeah, actually had a... You guys can't pronounce a boot. <laughs> a boot. <laughs> and a Nike supposed Isn't to that be Aladdin neat. sidekick? <laughs> oh. Can we talk about Aladdin too? <laughs> the return of return Jafar. Of... <laughs> not so fast, Jafar. <laughs> and let's not forget Nike's supposed to be Nietzsche. <laughs> or Nick or some crap like that. I, I know Australians pronounce it Nike. Is they, it Nike? just dropped the long E. Oh, it's just Nike. It's just Nike down here with another shrimp on the Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing accents again this no. week. <laughs> We're not cutting this crap That's out. That's good, because that was a big swing and a miss. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh! For a long time, I couldn't do any accent. Anytime I tried to do one, I sounded like Julia Child. <laughs> it became an ongoing joke to try to get me to do accents when I, when I'm DMing, because <laughs> no matter what, it sounds like Julia Child. Uh, anyway. All right, gents. So yeah, we are here to talk about the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem, which I'm pulling up the box office numbers here really quick. Last I saw, it had like a forty million dollar opening. Wow. Um, let's see what the weekends here. How are almost we into a, August already? It's almost a third of the Meg too. <laughs> <laughs> so the the domestic opening is projected at about 43 million international it's at eight and a half million but that is due to the fact that the movie is also not being distributed entirely internationally yet uh i know australia is not even getting it till september so there's some weird international distribution going on uh but 43 million is nothing to scoff at when you think that about how this is a, a property that hasn't seen cinemas since 2012 i think with the the animated uh, animated movie with, uh, I think it was Sarah Michelle Gellar as April O'Neil. That was supposed mm-hmm. to be like a pseudo sequel to the original trilogy from the 90s. Yeah, I looked at those numbers just before climbing on here. And I I saw that it, it, at least on Sunday, it, hadn't, it wasn't even beating Oppenheimer or Barbie. Which, I, I mean, I don't know what the studio projections were. So I don't know whether they consider that disappointing or not. Um, but I was a little surprised how low it was. Studio projections were were supposed to be anywhere from twenty five to thirty. So, if anything, so it's exceeding those. Yeah, yeah. It's it's got a global box office of fifty one and a half million right now, and I believe the budget was about around one hundred and ten million. Which, I, I think, a good chunk of that went into 
the animation, which you can you can see it that like the first thing I'm going to talk about here is the animation. Like uh, you're going to see a lot of people draw comparisons to Spider-Verse, which I think the aesthetic is a little different, but you can see some nuances and little things here and there that were inspired by uh, Spider-Verse or that maybe made things possible with the new animation techniques they created. Uh, just because like the, the lines coming off lights, the way the um, the way the, the backdrops looked as they got further out in the distance, where it was almost more like a sketch, it, it was just it was gorgeous. And then uh, I believe it, the studio behind the animation was the one also behind uh, the Mitchells versus the machines, which you can definitely see a lot of that in the aesthetic as well. Yeah, it was um, I I loved the the art style of this movie and I feel like the style was perfect for uh the Ninja, Ninja Turtles and their and their theme specifically you know because you have this sort of uh chaotic sketchy mess which is sort of what it feels like to be a teenager right and it, and it also feels in a way underdeveloped again like a teenager and it's yeah it was just a a wonderful way of of uh, marrying an art style to uh, to your theme and to the Ninja Turtles specifically. Yeah, I, I really like the art direction. It it felt good to to kind of in, uh, figure that this was a story that a bunch of like teenagers were just building on each other for. Um, and especially like you know when there's explosions, it's just a bunch of swirly lines that's not quite finished. You have just you have some of these weird harsh angles and stuff like that. The only thing I didn't particularly like was I'm not sure why the decision was made that other than the turtles in April, like everything had a slant to it. Like the cars all, if they all like had listed to the left, a lot of the, the characters faces of the bad guys were all asymmetrical, just off kilter slightly. And I, I don't get the intention of that because once I noticed that from the car to the faces to glasses to bags to windows, I kept tilting my head trying to straighten it out. <laughs> it was just because I was just like, is this me or is this the film? Nope, it's the film. <laughs> it was such an odd decision to just like have other than April and the Turtles be have symmetrical faces and that pop of vibrancy that everything else was just kind of canted that's the only only thing i didn't like it was just so weird i i think personally i think i only noticed that like the asymmetrical characters were villains um i didn't notice it in the objects and things like that but that doesn't mean that that's i i take i take it at your word that that's what you notice but like um particularly particularly um uh Maya Rudolph's character um I I noticed she was quite asymmetrical and I took note of that and maybe it was just a way of coding um villain versus hero yeah and uh something you just said Greg too uh talking about how uh like a perspective of a teenager maybe that's part of this too because the the turtles are seeing a lot of these people for the first time so their their interpretation of it might i'm digging into into flash director territory trying to justify bad visual effects <laughs> but uh like maybe maybe it is kind of digging into that where the turtles perspective on this cuz the the only characters with clean lines even though they are still asymmetrical are the other mutants so like the turtles see them in a certain way whereas humans they see as threatening so the the design is a little off except for april who Leonardo 
spoiler alert, falls in love with immediately. Uh, so I, I wonder if the perception plays a little bit of a role into that. I think I'd have to go back for a second viewing for the uh, you don't mess with New York moment in the movie <laughs> um, to see if maybe the, those uh, people who come out of the shadows to help, uh, maybe they're a little less asymmetrical. Yeah, it's a good point. We'll have to look into that. I definitely think this is a movie that could benefit from several rewatches, not because of the plot is particularly complex, but because um, there's so much going on uh, in the background. And I just, I think you could probably pull a whole lot of Easter eggs out. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I'm sure this is very similar to both Spider-Verse movies where there pretty much every frame has some kind of Easter egg built into it. Did anyone catch uh, an Easter egg for Eastman? Because I saw the layered one very prevalent. It's the high uh, school. It's Eastman High. Oh, it's Eastman High. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is just that is just such a like typical high school actual name that I didn't yeah. catch it. But Laird's Pizza when they're eating with April, I was like, oh, and that completely Eastman High. <laughs> See, and I did the exact opposite. They had, we had the giant neon, literal giant neon sign in front of us, and I was just like, Laird, what is that? And then like as we got to Eastman High, I'm like Eastman and Laird, duh. <laughs> So uh, let's talk about the cast here real quick, because I do think that the the four turtles as a whole are it's refreshing and it's a concept that I didn't know I needed. But I now I want it everywhere uh, where we have Micah Abbey as Donatello, Shaman Brown Jr. as Michelangelo, Nicholas Cantu as Leonardo and Brady Noon as Raphael. And uh, there's a bunch of celebrities that they don't need any extra promotion <laughs> because they get their names plastered all over the posters where these guys are going to be having like five years worth of work to do for probably minimum pay once all the strikes are done. Because uh, there's going to be a, a two season app, uh, Paramount Plus series spun off from this that leads into a second movie. So uh, just big shout out to the performances from Micah Abbey, Nicholas Cantu, Brady Noon and Shimon Brown Jr. Like those those kids were phenomenal. I. I, even from the first trailer, I was like, yes, this is something that the Turtles have been missing because, yeah, they've all been voiced and sounded like 20, 30-year-old dudes, even though they are supposed to be teenagers. It's interesting that, it's gonna, that they've already figured that this is going to be uh, two seasons worth of television, which would kind of, which I guess makes the movie a backdoor pilot, but it's a giant budget movie, so which I guess is that a front door pilot? <laughs> yeah i mean it, from the the budget alone for the just the animation and the art direction and everything in this like the only thing in this movie that i would say i did not need was a close-up of bebop's pierced nipple on a floppy man boob <laughs> like that was the one thing i did not need everything else in that well i guess also splinter making out with a certain thing that we'll get into later that's spoiler but spoiler alert splinter makes out with something you didn't like that no, I, I thought that was a, a step too far in the joke category. What? But I mean, the first time was kind of sweet. You didn't like the second time? <laughs> I didn't need either time. Like, it, was, it, was a, it was a good punchline that was set up earlier in the movie. And I was like, mm -hmm, oh, mm -hmm. I get it. And then it becomes, oh, and they're single. I'm like, oh, mm -hmm, God. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. And they can communicate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, um, the change of voice cast was really good. You can tell that they had them all in the same room, just going off of each other. You know, they had a script and were just bouncing in ideas, which 
to Greg, your point, yeah, I'm going to have to watch this two or three times with subtitles because sometimes yeah. they were talking over each other and other times they were just talking so fast. I'm like, I didn't have time to pick, uh, pull out my phone and go like, what slang word does that mean? Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think that is a Korean pop band, but I need to be sure. <laughs> I swear at one point they referenced when they were doing like a list of celeb- celebrities they thought were cool, I swear I heard two or three that I didn't even recognize. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I got nothing. I, this is going to definitely be Am- uh, Amazon Prime Video X-Ray, who the hell are these references <laughs> situation constantly. Oh, I um, I do also need to shout out uh, Ao Edabiri as April O'Neil. Um, mm-hmm. Just another fantastic uh, i think she's a little bit older than the rest of the other cast but she's still i think like pre-20 so she is 27 she's 27 what no she looks so much younger <laughs> uh, according to wikipedia's she is 27 wow way to like completely go against the grain with your premise here i mean i guess women do sound more mature at certain ages but yeah uh, born, born in 1995 dang I'm feel old now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, to your point about these references, um, it took me until our group chat with Justin Henson, Alex, that uh, I didn't realize what the reference was because Donatello at one point says, I didn't even get to see BTS IRL. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> I felt like Matt Damon at the end of Saving Private Ryan, just like I could feel the wrinkles just washing over me. <laughs> and uh, as I was typing it out, I was like, BTS, IRL. Okay, I don't know what BTS is, but IRL must have been in real life. <laughs> like, so what is BTS? And then I looked at it. It's the K-pop band, right? Yes. Okay. They're, so they're, they're kind of popular. Among who? <laughs> People that I'm not the demographic of this movie for. <laughs> so, gentlemen, do you want to get into spoilers and talk a little bit more about the story? Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. This is your official spoiler warning. I don't have a soundbite for it other than me saying this is your spoiler warning. But uh, let's let's get into the story, because I think the story was my biggest problem with this movie. It, it felt kind of milk toast to me. Um, I liked I liked a lot of the the shifting that they did where like Bebop and Rocksteady, uh, Mondo Gecko and all these guys are not like mutant animal hybrids. They're just straight up manufactured mutants from uh embryos essentially created by baxter stockman and they're just like this mutant family and i thought that was interesting to a point because then i started thinking like well what are they going to do for villains are they just going to heel turn bebop and rocksteady again like we i don't know we don't know um but it it creates a weird paradox in my mind about where they can go especially with the assumption that baxter stockman is dead or maybe uh uh, what's her name? Cynthia Utrom is actually like keeping him under wraps somewhere. I I don't know. I mean, I guess that's the stuff that I was thinking about um, the least while I was watching it. But I, I think I think um, just enveloped in the movie and not thinking about like where they're headed with this with their TV series and and sequels. Like, um, you know, it works. Like, I I like the idea of having like this. I guess it's like a good mutant family versus uh, a bad mutant family or, or two mutant families who grew up similarly, but have like these sort of like different perspectives on how they're going to go about solving their problem of not being accepted in human society. Right. Uh, So I, I think those, 
those two things, you know, really kind of drove the story fairly well for me. Honestly, I the the story just worked for me because it was about the teenage angst of you know the Little Mermaid, the world up there. They literally have a moment where they're looking through the grade up to the sea, you know, like Ariel looking looking up and seeing Eric's ship floating on by. But there wasn't a big explosion or a big kind of like have out abandon the family moment that a lot of you know cartoons kids movies and stuff go to hell most adults movies have that all right third act everybody's in a fight everyone hates each other it didn't have that it just had splinter uh, needed uh, needed to save them was briefly lecturing them and then almost immediately he's like no i'm the bad guy here and i really felt that was a nice, powerful moment of education that didn't result from family strife and needing to apologize to everyone and the whole we're not talking bullshit that always happens. And no one One says a bad name to someone out of angst either or anger. You're not Mm. my real dad. Yeah, one of my my favorite Roger Ebert uh, movie reviews is he originally did not like the, the, the movie, this is an old movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, John Candy, Steve Martin, about Thanksgiving. And... But he, after a year or two of rewatching it, it became a movie he revisited every year, and he realized it's because John Hughes, the writer-director, was smart enough to take the opposites with different points of view, and instead of making the third, the second act into the third act climax being them yelling at each other or fall apart, he put that all the way at the front. Act one, the ending is Steve Martin just yells at uh, yells at John Candy, gives him shit for everything that's happened in the last in the first twenty five minutes of the movie. John Candy gives this beautiful speech about I like me, my wife likes me, I'm okay with all this, and then they're friends. And and that movie, that's what I kind of felt like the movie took a little bit out, took a little bit of heart from is the strife does not need to be a family torn apart. The strife just needs to be resolved with. We have differences of opinions, and it's time to grow up. Yeah, and I really like that. Yeah, it's a it's a movie about acceptance, and like Splinter's arc is accepting that his kids need to experience the world um, that he was that he's desperately afraid of, and and trying to protect them from. Um, you know, and the I I guess the the turtles arc is. is does that you know they're they're seeking they're seeking acceptance? Do they have to accept anything themselves? I'm just wondering if that if there's a if that arc marries at all. But yeah, um, they they kind of come together a little bit more because like there's that moment where uh, after their first night out uh, when they watch Ferris Bueller, Raph says to them like the last thing I see before I die is not your faces, and yeah. then by the end of it, he's like, you know, guys, you know, I said this, but if we're going to die, I'm, I'm happy to be dying next to my brothers. So like th- there's little bits here, but I think it's mostly per usual. It's Raph that ends up being the one that <laughs> grows in his heart. Yeah. I guess they have to learn. Uh, they have to accept that they were following the uh, crime syndicate for the wrong reasons. They're doing it yeah. for personal gain instead True. of trying to, uh, they're only trying to find a way of ingratiating themselves to humans rather than doing what was right. Yeah, that's a great point. 
Um, how did you guys feel about I, we've talked about this a little bit. How did you feel about the references? Because it the movie felt like it was trying to strike a balance between the the adults bringing their kids to the movie as well as the kids and the popular thing for them because we talked about the bts thing uh but i i very distinctly remember they had also mentioned that uh they made a hey arnold reference i can't remember exactly what but all i could think in that moment was these guys shouldn't know who hey arnold is <laughs> yeah i felt like that too there was a hey arnold movie like three years ago they might have seen it on what service though like that that's one thing that's one thing that i think the world building needed to take like two seconds to be like hey donnie that workaround that you created for our internet is out again because they talk about they they have a cell phone that they're on all the time they each have their own cell phone Mm -hmm. they make a reference that splinter has a roku but we never hear about like donnie did something to make them to allow them to have internet or have access to a cell tower like i just wanted like two seconds of them to do something with Donnie to be like, hey, we need this fixed. Please be the tech guy. Hey, 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 hey. We know they have a fridge because they went and got um, dairy products that are perishable. And we also know they have. We don't least... know that they have a fridge because they <laughs> sat through Ferris Bueller <laughs> with their milk just sitting out. And the go And then they went home with that milk. So maybe they just drink sour milk. <laughs> okay. We know they at least have a, uh, a DVD player. Because that's how they learned Kung Fu. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that was, I love that gag. I, um, in terms of like the story, I, I will say I was not expecting them to mix the beginning around. I thought they would actually be bold and actually acknowledge the fact that the Turtles technically are part of the MCU. Because according to the original release... The ooze vial was the vial um, that blinded Matt Murdock. <laughs> yep. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah instead, it was a, just. It's a parody yeah. take on Daredevil's origin story. Yeah. Um, but it's a complete rewrite. And I really did love that Splinter, his own headcanon for why he's fucking old. <laughs> is because he's like this is just how the ooze works since you were young turtles and you walked through it you remained young and grew normally but since i was a middle-aged rat i became older it all makes sense (laughs) i i I liked hanging a lantern on that that was really good yeah yeah that was funny it was a good moment which that's something I, i never thought about it's not anything that i really felt like ever needed explaining but i guess that's something that the writers felt like it it needed to be explained Oh, I, I interpreted that that as the as the writers just being like, "This is inherently silly, and we're making a gag out of it." Like the, ah, that makes more sense. Yeah. yeah, like, like in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie from 1990, as a as a child, I always just accepted that Shredder would recognize that yes, a rat who scratched him like 25 years ago <laughs> became huge and is now in New York, standing on top of a building, and you immediately are like. I know this dude. <laughs> I know him. He attacked me. He knows the same. Oh, yes. These giant turtles know the same kung fu moves as my original master. And it's because of this rat. <laughs> so I must go berserk and charge him. <laughs> I, I, just a quick question, because you guys know comics so much better than me. In, in the original comic run, is Splinter human first or is he a rat first? Uh, he's a that rat. has changed a couple of times. Um, oh, really? I, I think it? it was the uh, the animated series was the the one that made him human that became a rat. 
because yeah. he was just like hanging out in the sewer playing with the turtles and it just turned him into a rat. Uh, but I, I believe the original comic, he was just a rat that got hit with the ooze and he became anthropomorphic. Gotcha. See, the, the opposite way always made more sense to me, especially like, I mean, the way that they in in the 90s cartoon, the way they set up uh, Splinter is that he was uh, or like a he was in the same um, ninjutsu school as uh, Orokusaki or which one's which? Mm-hmm. Uh, the shredder is a Rokusaki, right? Um, and yeah, and like, and he, be- he sort of like betrays him, and he he ends up being homeless in New York, and then that's when he gets the ooze on him. But like, that makes more sense just in terms of like that's why he knows ninjutsu. That's why he trains the Ninja Turtles. Like, it seems to flow a lot more easier rather than a in the case of the '90s movie, a rat practicing. <laughs> Ninjutsu in his cage, which is hilarious. I, I <laughs> love that moment. That moment is singed in my brain along with the Pizza Hut commercial in the front of it. <laughs> or, or B, just like having to sort of hand wave, like, well, he he found a book, or they they found uh, uh, DVDs or whatever. It, it, like, I, I this one's okay, just because like he wants to protect them from the humans, so he's teaching them to defend themselves. That's fine. Um, but he isn't really master splinter in this one. He's just kind of like dad splinter, which is also okay. I don't mind things changing up here and there. Yeah, you got to keep it fresh in some ways. So like this is the fifth reboot of the Turtles and like sure. fourth since Nickelodeon has taken over. Yeah. So uh, like you, you got to find different ways to keep it fresh. And they they progressively like made the the Turtles younger pretty much by like proxy by having april become younger and younger um i haven't seen any of the newer series uh i've heard the most recent one is really good um uh, but i haven't had uh, the, the rise of uh, the ninja turtles right yeah i've heard that one's really good uh i was originally turned off by the concept of that one just because i didn't like how big Raphael was like i don't i, I get <laughs> that you got to try and make them distinct in certain ways but just like making Raphael just this giant turtle is uh, it's to me, that's not the way to go with him. Like you can make him thicker like they did in this one where he is, he's just always a, a bigger boy. Um, yeah. But just making him nine feet tall compared to the other ones who are four and six feet tall, maybe it just yeah. that one, that, that design just didn't sit right with me. And I think one thing that I still, I don't think I'll ever get over it is the the visual aids of things so like oh donatello's the nerdy guy he has glasses do they really <laughs> need glasses do, does does michelangelo need braces to really get across the fact that they're teenagers that's one thing that i i really just it's gonna i'm gonna nitpick that because i don't <laughs> think it's needed to you can do other things and like the michael bay movie went like I, michael bay produced movie went to like the millionth degree in a lot of that because like Michelangelo's got like the, sh- the aviator shades and he's got the, the, uh, the, the grunge, uh, pla- uh, what the heck's the word? Not plaid. Um, jacket. Uh, no, it's, <laughs> it's like a button down shirt. That's plaid. What, what the heck is it called? Lumberjacks wear them. Oh, um, lumberjack sweater or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Lumberjack. He, he's, he's got, uh, yeah, he's got that like wrapped around his waist. Cause he's grungy, but like a party dude, Raphael's just massive and jacked. And uh, I think they, they touched on that a little bit. Cause one of the things that Raphael uh, steals from uh, the, the vendors in this movie is he steals like protein powder 
<laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, can I briefly deviate into why I can't stand those Michael Bay produced Ninja Turtles oh absolutely we, we wait, would bash wait, Michael Bay just, at every opportunity wait, just, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> let me clear the floor <laughs> please take 20 I'm going to go refill <laughs> my water you rant as much as you want I am I'm going to enjoy every moment of this <laughs> well just like as as a concept of having the Ninja Turtles be a bunch of giant roid monkeys, uh, like it's so thematically opposite to the Ninja Turtles. Uh, one because they're supposed to be teenagers, not monsters. But I, I, I would hazard to guess that like Michael Bay and company saw them more as like superheroes, uh, maybe in the vein of like you know. The kind of superheroes that uh, the Fast X, uh, or you know, Fast and Furious ser- series kind of turned into, but like, like the 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 turtles' strength traditionally has always come from them uniting as a group. They're strongest when they're together. So when you have four giant juice like fridges, <laughs> like. That really feels to me like they can pretty much take on anything themselves, but I don't really feel like inherently that they're weak when they're when they're divided. Um, and I mean, uh, also the the they looked ugly. They were just the ugliest versions of the turtles that that uh, that exist in in media. So, <laughs> but like, yeah, just like just missing the point that hard was really uh, frustrating to me and. Those movies also, uh, each individual turtle doesn't feel like a person. They they actually feel like it's kind of like how the, how the Transformers movies sort of played out, where uh, the main character was like Sam Witwicky, and like the Transformers were also there, and that's how those turtles movies felt like. You know, they just felt like oh well, the turtles are also here, but they don't need to have like desires needs or wants or frustrations or anything like that they're just they're just the ninja turtles and that's all we need from them um to a certain extent um this movie kind of has that problem and i i think you sort of uh josh touched on it a little bit earlier in that the four characters kind of function as a single character like they're they're somewhat distinctive from one another, but not enough time is spent on, you know, Leonardo's personality and Michelangelo's personality and Donatello's personality. Um, not a, certainly not to the extent that like maybe the original like nineties movie was done where you get a really good sense of like which character is which. Um, and when it comes to the climax where they're about to go fight a giant fly kaiju, uh, there's a there's a moment where they uh, talk about out loud uh, what each different turtle skill is, and they sort of like summarize it very quickly. Like you know you can you can improv and you know you're you're tough as nails or whatever, and then and then they're like, all right, break everybody, go do their thing. The problem with that is like like with with Michael D'Angelo specifically, we'll use that as the first example. Michelangelo uh, is early on set up as liking improv. It's in the school scene 
where he notices the sign up for improv. So he wants to do improv. Um, but we don't really get a scene of him like being an improviser. And then when they when they call out that he he's great at improvising. I didn't notice him do anything after that for them. Like his improvisation doesn't really play into defeating the villain. So like they just sort of like, again, they just operate as a single character after that. So like they, they try and tell you that they're distinctive and then they go back to operating as, as one, um, which is a little unfortunate since they seem to have thought about it, but not enough. Yeah, that's a a really great point because they could have really driven that point home with uh, his bond with Mondo Gecko, but instead they just sit there and say bro to each other, and it's like, oh, that's that's sure. great improvisation there, Michelangelo. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they could have acted out a scene together or something like that, and you know, it, like it could have somehow maybe they're, you know, they could have tag team in the in the uh, in the climax too. Uh, that would have been satisfying. Yeah, yeah. I, I think. Um what that is is that a little bit is they're just kind of relying upon you to carry forth the baggage of 30 years of turtle stuff um which i will say that it has now been 23 years since the first movie was released and we finally have the second best movie <laughs> sure, <laughs> we sorry, don't have sorry to... to sorry to burst your bubble there alex it's uh it's it's uh 33 <laughs> Oh, fuck me, I'm old. It's right, it's 33. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Yes, the 90s was 10 years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, I, I, some small anecdote, I've met up with a bunch of people that I haven't seen oh in a long god. time. And as I was telling Ricky about it uh, earlier yesterday, I was like, oh yeah, and we did all this in 2004, and that was... 19 years ago my god time means meaningless <laughs> and yeah no i i feel you there like you said 23 oh. years it's like yeah that sounds right and then i did the math real quick it's like that's not right no <laughs> but like the, that film did to what you were saying greg is it, it put it individualized each of the turtles what their personalities are what their strengths are what they're good at and also as you said it also was able to pinpoint that they are stronger together. When the turtles are defeated, it's always because they're alone. Raphael is alone; he is his ass kicked mm -hmm. by all of them. Yeah. They all take out. They all try to take out, take on Shredder alone, <laughs> and they yeah. all end up thrown off into the side of the building. So much so that they're paper rock scissoring who's going to go next before they realize, no, we got to try to fight them together. And they're just not good enough at that point yeah. um, because they are still turtles learning. Their, learning that and i felt that this movie did with that whole culmination scene kind of did give short shrift to the turtles having a personality um leo's personality was he's trying to be trying to be a leader with his batman voice and then quickly he's lovesick michelangelo you're right i'm not sure where he got the braces from because i have questions like do they kidnap somebody and make them do adjustments every six weeks <laughs> is splinter doing the braces i have Sure, why not? <laughs> it's just it's just little world building things that I get. They're they're visually just trying to be like they're teenagers. Let them look at teenagers are awkward and have braces, but like they take ten seconds. It's it's this is a really breezy uh, ninety nine minute movie. Yeah, you can't take an extra minute to build in a, a line of dialogue that says Donatello built us a Wi-Fi network and Donatello or Splinter does really bad uh, orthodontal work. 
<laughs> Michelangelo <laughs> was the only one brave enough to go through it. The rest of us were good. <laughs> yeah, Raph that'd be a, that'd be a great gag if, came back. if you got to see like a flashback of like how many different versions of the braces michelangelo had like if in those in those flashbacks to like when they're younger turtles like he's got like this massive that's like, that's like creaking and stuff like that it's rusted or whatever yeah that'd be great yeah so i mean these are all little nitpicks because i i enjoyed it it was breezy it was fun um it felt like a good a good backdoor pilot for two seasons of a paramount plus show and a sequel which i hope we get <laughs> Yeah, but I the only thing that particularly bothered me was after a little while I did start playing whose voice is that, and a lot of them I knew from you know I, were top of mind because you know the trailers are plastered with them while giving short shrift to um, the the teenage uh, voice actors, most of whom don't even have Wikipedia pages. <laughs> that tells you how. Hey, how Brady Noon was it. in the new Mighty Ducks. You pay him mm-hmm. respect. And he has a Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, you know, I, Jackie Chan did fantastic at Splinter, but I didn't need Paul Rudd as Mondo Gecko, mostly because while Paul Rudd is an eternal, you know, being, he doesn't sound like a teenage gecko, you know? <laughs> Hannibal yeah, was like, fine, but... What a waste of Giancarlo Esposito, too. Like, as Baxter Stockman, he had two lines, three lines. Like, it, it you paid him probably $100,000 to show up for two two hours of work, maybe? Yeah. I mean, I, I do love uh, Natasha Dimitrio because I, I love what we do in the shadows, but all I could hear was nausea, and I was wondering what she was doing as a mutant bat. I mean, did she turn into bat form and go into this cartoon? Because that would be awesome if they referenced that on the new season. <laughs> but I don't need all these extra voices. The te- to me, this movie was carried by the by the charisma and fun and joy of the four actual teenagers. The guess the the voice, you know, guess the celebrity game got a little old quick. Oh, I guess that, I guess that was going to be my question is like, did you find it distracting? And I guess the answer to that is yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know why the hell it took me 20 minutes to realize Ice Cube was Superfly. But I was like, <laughs> I was like, I know that voice. I think I've heard it for 20 years off in, on a TV show, <laughs> a cop show. And then for a brief moment, I was like, that's not Ice Cube. Was it Ice Cube? And then I'm like, yeah, it's Ice Cube. <laughs> But yeah, so many of these voice roles, they could have saved money in the budget, which like I'm sure a lot of these guys are friends of Seth Rogen. So they did it for cheaper than they would have other projects. But it just it really felt just like we need to add a little bit of uh, gravitas to this movie. Let's do the Paw Patrol thing and show how many celebrities are involved in this movie, despite how big (laughs) their roles may or may not be. Yeah. But I mean. These are yeah, it could be it could be a studio thing, right? Like the studio wants to, they want to have that um, typical thing they have in a in an animated trailer where they have the screen that just goes dot 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 all the names that are in the movies, so you can yeah. have like because typically the animated movies have this ex, you know exceedingly long list of a big yeah celebrities it, that are in it. It adds legitimacy to the to the movie, so parents can be like, oh, Maya Rudolph is involved with this. Oh, Paul Rudd. Yeah. Oh. 
uh, Giancarlo Esposito. I liked him in Breaking Bad. Therefore, he must be great in this uh, movie about four Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Um, so, quick question. Did did anyone else, when it got to the Super no. Mutant Fly... Okay. All right. <laughs> Please continue, Alex. I'm going to mark off my question. No. Uh, (laughs) So the super – I did like the gag that they defeated the bad guy by shoving the beast into the water. And then they're like, yeah, it's fine. What's the worst that can happen? Where the hell did all the horses come from? The zoo. (laughs) (laughs) They were in the water. (laughs) No, he he falls into a zoo. Yeah, he he comes Ah. out as the, the humpback whale, and then he, like, rolls himself into the zoo. Okay. That's still way okay. too many horses for a zoo, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. as far as I know, most people have seen a horse before, so they're probably they're probably not in the zoo. But I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> New York. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, could my be, friend. Uh, I mean, the the yeah. it could have been a police horse. They have their their mounted sure. division. <laughs> That's right. The zoo is right next to the mounted division zoo. <laughs> That's where they got all the horses. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I did of... like the gag where uh, they they shoot the the anti mutant gun at the kaiju superfly, and uh, just like one little horse pops out, and they're yeah. like, "Oh, this is gonna take forever." <laughs> <laughs> that was good because I finally yeah. saw what that thing actually did, and I was like, "Uh, I was wondering because they missed every shot." Speaking of which, did anyone else notice that Splinter straight up murdered a guy? Nope. When he went to go save them during the milking scene, he like pops like the baton <laughs> off of, out of somebody, of somebody's hand, knocks him to the floor, oh, yeah, and, and he like, jabs him right, right in, in the face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was, I, I do remember thinking like, did that just like puncture like the 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 crown of it, or did he just like go straight through and stab him through the face? Yeah, they didn't show more violence in this movie. Th- like, I was, I, I took my four year old daughter to it, and I was like, that first scene was so was so dark. And, oh, uh, yeah. and and heavy. I was like, I was like, oh, this might have been a mistake, <laughs> but she was fine, as far as I know. <laughs> no, no screaming in the middle of the night. No, no, not yet. <laughs> uh, just remember, just remember, my dad took four-year-old Josh to go see the 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and uh, I still remember looking up at my dad when Raphael yells, "Damn!" after casey jones gets away and i'm like am i supposed to see this movie <laughs> boy uh, oh mom says those kind of swears are bad and you're taking me to see this kind of movie my goodness what are we in for and then he takes me to go see robocop 2 and all sorts of other great stuff <laughs> like, that was just the gateway movie <laughs> <laughs> this the is just to wet your beak for violence <laughs> yeah uh batman 89 and uh Ninja Turtles 1990. Those are like the first two movies I remember properly seeing in a theater. And uh, I've got some great memories for that. But that that one where Raphael yells, damn, and I just look over at my dad like, are we going to go or are we going to are we seeing this through? <laughs> Did it, Was there any movie that like legit gave you nightmares that you saw when you were that young? Um, Tales from the Crypt, actually. Oh, um, yeah. I don't think I, I never saw that in theaters. My aunt was we're on a tangent here but whatever this is a good little my aunt was is a big horror movie fan we we watched like uh ghoulies child's play all those sort of things and like i would watch it like out of the corner of my eye because i i did not like scary movies as alex will attest i still don't like scary movies um but there was something about 
them watching Tales from the Crypt and the Crypt Keeper specifically, the first nightmare I vividly remember having, uh, I don't know why a five-year-old or a six-year-old is, is dreaming like this, but I, I had a dream that I was in like a limousine going somewhere. And all of a sudden I just got attacked by a whole bunch of werewolves and other things. And out of the moonroof pops the, the crypt keeper cackling at me. And I woke up and I was like, I'm not going back to bed. <laughs> just in a, in a big sweat. Was yeah. Ghoulies the, the movie with the, the, the weird green creature creature coming out of the toilet? Yep. I think yeah. so. Yeah. I, that freaked me out. I was afraid of the toilet because of that movie. Cause I, I would see that post or that, uh, vhs cover in the in the movie rental shop and, and it would scare the crap out of me another one she played pretty frequently for a while in the early 90s that really freaked me out was my favorite monster like i was fine with the stuffed animal the like purple red yellow green whatever he was mm -hmm. i was fine with the stuffed animal but then i saw that there was a movie attached to it and the way he just moved it freaked me the hell out and i was like no no thank you killer clowns from outer space Oh, yeah. That that movie, I remember it being on USA, whatever, one of my cousins had me watch it. I was like four or five, and I've been terrified of clowns ever since. Like, I, and there's a, um, Are You Afraid of the Dark that had clowns in a, in a uh, like a cl clown that haunted a funhouse mirror ride. And those two things just back to back just... Mm -hmm. So I have a ever memory. My thankfully, I asked my sister about it recently because both my sisters are getting married this year. Um, one already had her wedding; the other one's coming up. And as we were we were at a park, I was like sixteen or seventeen because I drove we drove them to the park, and they saw a clown giving away balloons. And they're like, "Oh, we want a free balloon, we want a balloon, blah blah." And I'm like, "Okay." I crossed a four lane street to the other side. And I and I said I'm gonna walk on that side. You can walk on this side to the clown. I'll meet you at the end of the block. <laughs> so my like eight or nine year old sisters were just walking. I'm like, clown clown could kidnap them. Anyone could just take them. I am in no position to help at all. I'm like I am not getting anywhere near that goddamn clown. <laughs> then at work a while back ago, um, they had a party thing. And I went to go join it because, you know, everyone's invited to go to these party things. And I turned the corner and there was a clown there. And now, mind you, this clown is the teenage daughter, like 13-year-old daughter of one of our, uh, one of the, uh, one of the vice presidents. And I did not know that. And I almost threw a fist. <laughs> and I turned around and walked back to my desk and they're like, everyone's coming out with like cake and stuff. I'm like, hey, Alex, are you going to get cake? And stuff? I'm like... No, there's a clown. There's a fucking clown. I almost clocked it. And they're like, but that's blah, blah, blah's daughter. I'm like, I don't care. It's a clown. It's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Greg? Any childhood traumas? Uh, the best one I can think of is um, Predator. Uh, I remember being like older than what is reasonable, uh, <laughs> scared in my bed, thinking about the Predator coming to get me. <laughs> and, and and you know in in canada when it was like you know it's like minus 30 or whatever i'm like i'm like oh it's it's better when it's cold because he's got heat seeking vision and that means he can't see which is the opposite of that he'd see me better but yeah that's what made me that was comforting to me it's like it's winter the predator can't see in winter <laughs> he's he's cold-blooded he'll move slower <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that's why you all do the ice baths in winter. <laughs> dig, you know, dig the ice hole in the middle of the oh, lake yeah, and get yeah. rid of the predator. That's right. <laughs> all right. 
Where do you so, think Arnold um, got the idea from? <laughs> uh so let, let's round out the the conversation on the turtles here real quick as we we approach the hour mark um one thing that i thought was really interesting and unique about this story is that it it's about the turtles wanting to be able to be accepted and out in the open publicly and at the end of the movie, it actually happens. Like I thought it was going to be like a personal sacrifice kind of thing where we, we just basically go back to a status quo, except we have some minor nuances here and there. Like uh, they, they have like a, a mutant family that they can lean on a little bit with uh, the, the other mutants, Bebop, Rocksteady, Mondo Gecko and everything. Um, but instead they help save the day a la Spider-Man 2002 and uh, the city of New York accepts them and they get to go to high school. And how do you guys feel about the turtles being a public entity and the the world just kind of accepting them as heroes and just teenagers and kids? Well, I'm certainly interested to see how that plays out in this upcoming television series. I, like, you know, focusing on the teenage aspects so heavily of this movie is certainly like a direction that the Ninja Turtles hadn't really been taken in, in, in my opinion. And like, to take that even further and exploring them in the public eye and having them go to high school like anybody else. That's certainly not an environment that I've seen the Ninja Turtles in before. So, so I'm definitely down for that. I I also think it's cool that the movie ends with the Ninja Turtles taking off their bandanas, which is like essentially taking them taking off their superhero uniform, which is not something typically you would see in a superhero movie. Usually like the last moment is like, a hero moment, you know, when they're on a skyscraper or whatever and fully decked out, uh, they have finally become the superhero they were meant to be. And this is the opposite. They've finally become the children they were meant to be. Well, damn, that's deep. I got nothing. Yeah, I mean, that, that's hard to follow up right there. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I, I have I have a very eloquent thought. It Good ending, I like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I, I was I've been trying to rack my brain about how a series around a a, a public Ninja Turtles group would work, and I, the way Greg you just explained it, I'm like, okay, they just do Kim Possible, but with the Ninja Turtles, they they're doing normal high school stuff, they're hanging out with April, and then uh, they get called to duty, and they're gonna go do the thing. The only difference is they're public heroes now, so. In, in this world, they probably don't care about collateral damage. They're not going to hold the turtles responsible for whatever happens. Or maybe there will be an episode about that, or maybe that's what the the sequel will be about, where public opinion starts to turn on them. Um, but, oh, I sure, mean, yeah. it, there are definitely some very easy parallels they can create uh, with modern society. So there, there's a lot of intrigue to be had there. But um, I'm not sure how deep they would actually go, just because, this, as we said, this is a really breezy 99-minute movie. And I don't they don't take the time to breathe and give real good impressions on what the allegorical concept or allegorical ideals of the movie is. Yeah, I I do like it that it's not doing the uh, the fake thing of like, oh, they were in a hat. They just kind of look a little funny. <laughs> yeah. No, everyone knows they're giant freaking turtles and that apparently there's another band of mutants that also are helping them out. So that they are being integrated into high school and it's going to be fun. The only thing that briefly gives me pause is 
are they actually going to let Leonardo and April get together? <laughs> well, they, they did discuss that. They, at the end, April's like, yeah, we're just friends, right? This is, we're, we're here at the dance as just friends. So, like, April yeah, clearly has no sure. real interest there, and Leonardo's going to, like, maybe, was it Angel was the other turtle, the female turtle that they introduced much later uh, on? Venus de Milo. Venus, yes. Yeah, yeah, that was I, in, I, the, in the live action series, correct? I yes, think it was so, the live yeah. action series, and then she was referenced a few times in the comics, but then they like killed her off or ignored her. And now there is a different female turtle, but she's actually a human that got turned into a turtle. And I think they broke the curse, and she's back to being a human. Oh, it was a curse. It wasn't the ooze. I I don't. I don't remember. Sorry, this is this is all in the comics you're talking about. Um, I I yeah. couldn't say I, I haven't followed the turtles other than uh, <laughs> if, if you do want a good turtles fix, I will say um, the two ten, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Power Rangers crossovers from Boom Studios, but written by Ryan Parrott, are phenomenal. More phenomenal, I could say. Um, is I I love the those are two of my favorite Saturday morning things ever. And Ryan Parrott created two amazing stories out of those um, minor spoilers at the end of issue one in the very first uh, crossover event, the shredder gets the green ranger morpher and the green ranger shredder is badass. That, that is a design that is like needs to be translated into live action just <laughs> to see how amazing it looks. Uh, so let's, let's do, I know we said the last thing was the, the school thing, but uh, we do have to talk the mid credit scene as well, because um I'm a big dummy and didn't realize, uh, Greg, I, I hope I'm not putting you down because I'm, I'm calling myself a dummy here, but uh, I didn't realize that uh, Cynthia Utrom was actually supposed to be a stand-in for Krang. That's kind what? of what I thought because of the, oh. like, I was like, you know, the visor thing and the, and the, and she was kind of color coded like that big lumbering thing that he used to walk around in the automaton. His big mech suit. Had. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I actually at the, right at the beginning I was like I was like is she going to get mutated into Krang by the end? Yeah, so I I I, I didn't catch on to it. I was talking with uh, Justin Henson of the movie movie wire, and he explained that that like the color coding is there. Uh, the uh, the TCRI name has been changed. I guess uh, they 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 pretty much spell out it's going to be the Technodrome that she's working towards because uh, Techno is part of the TCRI acronym. Um, but yeah, I guess she's uh, either uh, the new Krang mech suit or she's somehow being remote controlled by Krang. Uh, but they, they are doing a gender swap on Krang in, in this case. Uh, and uh, that it, as soon as Justin said, it, I'm like, that makes a lot more sense as to why she's calling in the Shredder in the, the mid credit scene. Because uh, up till that point, I was like, why are they calling in Shredder other than fan service? Hmm. Do we know the gender of Krang? <laughs> is he? He's a was Krang. Was he? Was he? A, was he a he? I guess. <laughs> he's a little blobby brain boy. I or, mean, I guess <laughs> I just said boy again. That doesn't, that doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, Krang okay. has been inside of many things. So I mean, Krang can be whatever gender Krang wants to possess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, according to his uh, Wikipedia page, Krang is a male uh, of the Utrom species. So Cynthia uh, Utrom. I didn't. I didn't. I, yeah, I didn't realize that uh, that 
that was the name of the Krang species. Yeah, I, I, I guess have I'm told not you down with the, with the deep turtle lore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, the, the... I not picked that one up at all. Yeah, I, 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 she had just this generic Russian or vaguely Eastern European accent, and I was just like, all right, this lady's just a Nick Fury type. Like, okay, let's let's move on. I'm not interested mm-hmm. here, so I, I did not pay attention to anything going on with her. And then when Justin said that, I was like, shit, I should pay attention. I swear, a couple times she did like the Krang warble with her voice. I was, I like, I, 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 I was just thinking like. Yeah, uh, it could have been maybe I was just hearing things because I had, I had already suspected that that's where they were going. But I swear mm-hmm. that she was doing like a little bit of a, whatever that Krang, that Krang does. I could totally hear that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and maybe. maybe I just I wrote that off to like a, a sound design choice like, oh, they're doing a Spider-Verse thing. So I like I said, the minute she started having that vague Eastern European accent talking and I was, I was just like, all right, let's, let's move on with this. This is not interesting. This is not the turtles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so before we go, we have to give our ratings. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, best movie ever or pass? Greg, we will start with you. That's the only choices. <laughs> yeah, there's no nuance on the Internet. So it's best. All right, movie I, ever, guess, I guess I guess the best movie ever. <laughs> Alex. Second best turtle movie ever. <laughs> must see. And I'm I'm gonna give it a a must see best movie ever. Um, it's it, it's a lot of fun. Um, I don't know that I I don't know that we're the right demographic for it, other than the fact that we grew <gasps> up with the Ninja Turtles, just because of all the references they make. But I do think they balance it out really well with some older references. But I do also feel like it dates the movie a little bit pretty heavily and pretty quickly it's kind of like shrek opening up with (laughs) all-star yeah it's gonna be one it's gonna be one of those movies in 20 years that's gonna be really weird that they have a bunch of 80s references and there's nothing from the 90s or aughts it's all just 80s or or current for 2022 (laughs) yeah i i appreciate a movie taking a swing and making modern references especially if it's a a front door pilot as we have so dubbed it uh (laughs) Because it it is basically becoming a time capsule, but it's going to become this weird moment in time where everyone's going to be like, what the heck? They're going to be like me now, but in the future, they're going to be like, what is BTISIRL? They're like, oh. <laughs> yep. All right. So it's a, it's a clean sweep for a must-see best movie ever. So we are going to head out after that. Greg, thank you so much for being here. Greg Beaver from I Have Some Notes. Please let us know again about your podcast and where we can find it. You can find I have some notes at I have some notes.com and we are pretty much on like 80 million socials now because that's the way of the world. We're uh, at I have some notes on blue sky and threads and Twitter and Ooh. Facebook and I have some notes pod on Instagram or actually I guess we're I have some notes pod on threads as well. But you'll be able to find us. Um, and you can also check out, we we, uh, we post uh, reviews and things like that on our Patreon pages, patreon.com. I have some notes. Yeah, you guys have a really good uh, Thor Love and Thunder episode that I've heard some good things about. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> that <laughs> might be our best happen. episode. You'll have to listen. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is that was the best episode. I have listened to ones of the podcast, and that one was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Greg, thank you again so much for being here. Uh, You can follow us on all the social medias, Instagram, threads, Hive Social, Post News, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Lonnie's website that is going to be tanking 
sometime in the not too distant future. We are at Talking Smack Pod on all those. Please don't forget to join our Discord as well as the I Have Some Notes Discord. Uh, you can email us your thoughts, reviews, comments, concerns at tsmackpod at gmail.com. Thank you to Leo Allen for our musical themes and Beppo for our original avatars. Alex, who is remixing our musical themes this week? You know what? No one. Leo Allen is just so good. We just need to <laughs> savor this one. But All right. I pulled some strings, Adina Menzel. <laughs> All right. Uh, please like, subscribe, rate, review the podcast. And most of all, most importantly, thank you so much for listening. Take care, everyone. Uh, watch Star Trek, especially TNG. Hell yeah. There's my boy. <laughs> Tune in in a couple weeks when we uh, review Strange New World Season 2. Oh, yeah. prefer the term ooze but yeah it's like more like it's just nicer it, it, it rolls off the tongue better yeah ooze, ooze. ooze. it's nice right ooze. it's ooze. <laughs>